Well, I don't know about you, but I've been having a lot of fun this morning. Well, I don't know if you call it fun, but it's joy. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. It's just absolute blessing to be with the Lord in this place, to be with the family of God. Yeah. It's awesome. And yes, we did have a great time with the fireworks. Uh, we had to clean up, though, yesterday, and uh, there was only one person came back to volunteer, or and her, and, her, and her children, to help clean up, apart from our family, of course. Not that I went out, but that was Mel. And her and James, they collected up all the fireworks and uh, all the rest of the stuff that hadn't burnt. We made another little pile about this big and threw all the extinct fireworks on there. There was quite a few that hadn't gone off though, so uh, as the fire started again, it was a lot of fun. I've never seen Mel laugh so much. She was just so excited. She was actually more excited than I've probably seen her in church almost. She does get excited here. And then, of course, these things were going and hitting our playhouse. Boom! You know, and then it would blow up on the side wall of the playhouse. And she'd be laughing her head off. I was saying, what? I hope that thing doesn't catch on fire. But she had a great time, didn't you, Mel? So thanks for coming back. And I think the Lord's rewarded you abundantly for helping out there. Thanks heaps. Wow, what a great church we got, eh? Isn't it great? The people of God. Every one of us so different. Some, you know, some of us are more different than others, but that doesn't matter. Ruth still loves me. Today I'm going to be speaking about what God loves. What God loves. We all always talk about what we love, but what does God love? You know? What's dear to His heart? And I'm probably very inadequate in speaking about what God loves, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll share some verses with you. But what do you love? You know, I love my wife. When I, when I got married, you know, marriage is a wonderful thing. God instituted marriage. It's a great thing to be married, you know? Love isn't always a reason to get married. Did you know that, you young ones? If someone fell in, in love with my wife, I would understand that, but it's not a reason for them to get married. That's called adultery. Okay? But marriage is a good foundation for love. And I choose to love my wife. Bagpipes and everything else that comes with it. <laughs> I've made that decision that no matter what, I'm going to love Ruth. And it's not a hard decision to make. She's a lovely, wonderful person. She's been a great wife, a great companion in life, and a great help. And it's great to serve with her. She gives me a lot of strength. So praise God. Thank you, Ruth. You're awesome. Appreciate having you, doing life with you, and being married to you. And the bagpipes, well, we'll that comes with it. That's all right. Love covers the multitude of sins, they say in the Bible, doesn't it? <laughs> so what do you love? Do you love your family? I hope you do. Your brothers and sisters? What about your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you prefer them before yourself? Yeah, I hope so. Do you love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind? What do you love? Do you love your neighbor as yourself to that same level? Or do you love yourself more than your neighbor? Do you love yourself more than your brother or sister in excite? Good question. You know? Who do you love? Who do you love? What do you love? Is it the rugby? I don't mind watching a game of rugby. Is it fireworks? Mal loves fireworks. <laughs> what is it? What is it that you love? Do you love doing what you feel like with no one having a say in what you do or what you don't do and just being your own person? You know, I think that's how we're all born. 
I think, I think that's how we all started out in life. You know, it's good just to search our hearts in the presence of Almighty God and just ask some of these questions. What is it that you really love? You thinking about it? Is it really the Lord your God? Is it really your neighbor as, as yourself? Or do you love others and prefer others better than yourself? Do you love serving others before yourself? Or do you want, have you got your feet firmly in yourself and, and you just want to stay there and you get really annoyed when someone gets on your goat and they don't do what you want to do and behave how you want them to behave? What is it? What do you love? C.S. Lewis said, uh, on the whole, God's love for us is a much safer subject to think about than our love for him. That would be fair to say. Boy, we've been taken up with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Love has a name. Who was it in the Bible that wrote, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he first loved us. This is love. Well, Jesus was, did he say, greater love has no man than this, and a man laid down his life for his friend. So I've got three questions to ask today, and the first is, what, what does God love? And for that, we're going to Isaiah 42, and we're going to read verse 1 and verse 4. Isaiah 42, have you got the word? Do you love the word? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Wow. Hold on to that Bible. You got the word in your hand? The word was God. Open it up with the help and the aid of the Holy Spirit. You'll find God. You'll find the Lord. You'll find what love is. Isaiah 42 verse 1. Behold my servant. This is, this is God speaking to us through the prophet Isaiah. And he's saying, behold my servant who I uphold. My elect one, in who my soul delights. Question is, what does God love? Maybe this is a bit of the answer. I have put my spirit upon him. Verse 4, he shall not fail. Hey, Reuben was talking about our week and how you've come along. Are you coming along with a great big backpack on here this morning? You know, I, I, I look at the tourists walking through Kirikiri. Some of them were those very small people with this massive backpack on their back and I thought mate that's how I must have looked like with my load of burdens before I came to the Lord at 20 and a half you don't want to be coming in with a backpack looking that big you want to lay it down at the foot of the cross you want to come to see who the father delights in who he loves God loves Jesus do you love Jesus or do you love yourself more than him so we've all failed. Isn't that annoying when we fail and we feel like we've let ourselves down? Perhaps you're going to school and you've done your exams and then you find you didn't pass the test or you're getting your driver's license and you didn't pass the test and you fail or you fail to win approval from your wife or your husband and then you feel let down. But here we read about Jesus and God speaking to us and he says, you want to look at this man. He shall not fail. You know, God's handing them over to you. He's giving them to you. And there's a, bit of a, there's a bit of a battle there because do you want to let yourself go and take Jesus or do you want to keep yourself? You can't have both men. You can't have the old self and the new Christ. We love here at Excite to talk about the new creation, the new creature we are in Christ. The new creature we are is Christ. 
It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. But you can't have the old man Adam, the self-centered person who's trying to control everything and not letting go and failing every day or every other day. You can't have the one who never failed in yourself as well. God loves Jesus. When I see that, I, I think, yeah, I love him too. He's never failed. He's never failed me in 30 years. He's never disappointed me. Someone once said coping, about coping with failure, you must have, have long-range goals to keep you from being frustrated by short-term failure. Abraham Lincoln said, he who never makes a mistake never makes anything. And in this world, it's just like that. There's one failure, one mistake after another. We understand that. But here is a man that God says of him, his son, he shall not fail. And you need to come to look at him. You need to come to behold him. He is the perfect servant of Jehovah. Have you always perfectly served the Father? Have you always said, not my will, but yours be done, Dad? You don't have to answer that out loud. <laughs> we, won't call, we won't do that. He shall not fail. You know, when I was uh, young, before I was married, teenager actually, I had this lady in the car with some kids, this old falcon. Must have been a Ford. It was actually. That was probably, I've just realised that was probably part of the problem. <laughs> but I went around these two sharp bends at the back of Dargaville there, back of uh, the, where, the, where the dairy factory is, and I said, watch this. I was brought up on metal roads, you know. Watch this. And I was going to hang it out, and I did. But I overcorrected, and it spun back on the next corner, and we ended up hitting the bank and ending up in the ditch. Watch this. <laughs> I actually failed. I didn't feel very good. I actually had to pay to get it fixed up. I actually am probably a bit slow at learning my lesson because I often say on the pool table at home, I say, watch this. And every time I say, watch this, I miss the pocket. And it's often an easy shot, and I just miss it. Almost without fail, James will vouch for that. I go, oh, watch, you watch this, watch this. And I can see, might be able to get two in here or something. I'll just miss it. But Jesus, I want to tell you, he never fails. And God's excited about that. He says, behold my servant. He says, I uphold him and he never fails. He never fails. Luke chapter 23 and verse 35. You see people here beholding the Lord Jesus Christ, but in the wrong way. And it says there, in the, and this is when Jesus is hanging on the cross for us, and we've been contemplating that this morning. And it says, and the people looking on, but, every, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. What does God love? He loves himself. They were calling into question this. They were beholding him in the wrong way. And they were jealous because there was a conflict there between themselves and Christ. The Pharisees hated him because when he was around, it showed them up for what, for what they really were and what was going on inside them. There is an antichrist. There is a man who's in opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And you don't have to go far from home to find out who that is. Adam, the old self-centered sin nature within, is an opposition to Christ. We, we don't need to point the finger. We, 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 whenever we do, as Ruth says, there's three pointing back. We deal with that in here. And we turn away. That, 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 that self-centeredness, it's crying out to be heard within us. And yet God is saying, behold, my servant. These ones were looking at Jesus and he was a threat to them. He's an absolute threat to self and selfishness and waywardness and wickedness. He's an absolute threat to that. God loves Jesus. Do you love him? Is he the man you delight in? Is he the person you delight in? Come on. He's altogether lovely, isn't he? Isaiah 52 and uh, verse 13 says, this is God again speaking about his son. He says, behold, my servant shall deal wisely. Wow. Wisely. Say wisely. That's right. Do we always deal wisely? It says, my servant shall deal wisely. He shall be exalted and lifted up and be very high. Praise God, we've been lifting him up, exalting, extolling his name here this morning, exalting the Lord Jesus Christ in praise and worship. In Psalm 1 verse 6, it says something else. It says about God, it says, for the Lord, or God knows the way of the righteous. And in Psalm 1, it's all about Jesus, really. He fulfills that. He's the tree that is planted by the river of living water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. Whatever he does prospers. That's why God is saying, Behold my servant who I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights, that the heart of the Father delights in Jesus. And so in verse 6, the last verse of Psalm 1, it's saying, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but... The way of the ungodly shall perish, shall perish. So what is the difference between the, the way of the righteous and the way of the ungodly? The way of the righteous has its source in our living, risen, glorified head, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ in us. It's His righteousness that we've received. It's His God's free gift of righteousness through His Son that He's given us. The way of unrighteousness is, is really just all about self. We're not talking about someone out there being a prostitute or a, or a bank robber or a, or a murderer. We're talking about somebody that's not walking by faith in Christ. It comes a lot, lot closer to home than you actually think it does. The Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. You're actually living from yourself unless you're walking by faith. Now, it's one thing to come in here on a Sunday morning for one hour a week in the many, many hours there is and being encouraged together. But what happens when we go out from here? It's easy to have faith in here when there's so many and it's like, there's, there's, it's exciting. We encourage one another there and that's good. But are we walking by faith? Are we obedient to the Word of God when we're out there in the week? Are we looking to Jesus? Because His obedience and His life will shine out and flow out through, from us. To our families, to our wives, wives, children, and then into our community. There's a source of great unlimited su supply in the Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior. So what does God love? He loves Jesus. 
Do you love Jesus? John 3 verse 35. Jesus, I think Jesus is speaking here. He says, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. The Father loves the Son. What does God love? The Father loves the Son. And He's given Him all things. Not some to you and some to Jesus. But He's given it all to Jesus. But the wonderful thing is you can have Jesus. And you can have all things. But it's in Him. He's not just an add-on or, or a cling-on. or a, you know, He's not just a pop-up in your life now and then when you need Him. He he's actually has to be the center. He's life itself. The second thing is John chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. Absolute open fellowship relationship with the Father and Son. And mate, if we've got Jesus, he's going to be opening up his kingdom and his thoughts and his heart. It's going to be overflowing into us through Jesus. And, it's going to, and we're going to be aware of what God's doing and we're going to be walking with him when it's not about ourselves, when it's all about Him. One John, I like John, he's, pretty, he's quite a straight shooter. I'm a bit black and white myself. I make no apologies for that. It's the way I was born. <laughs> but John, John's, you would have thought John was quite soft. He was the one that leaned on Jesus' bosom, and, and Jesus got him to look after his mother. He said, woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. When he was hanging on the cross, even Jesus was taking care of his own then. But here John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, he says, Do not love the world. Do not love the world. The world's very close. It's, the world can even creep right inside. Do not love the world. All the things are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you're loving the world, or even loving self, loves him. well, you're not going to have the Father's love. It's all about you if that's the case. Whereas God loves His Son, and it's all about Him. God's world is headed up in His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the one who never fails. He is the one our hearts delight in. He is our portion, our strength, and our song. Why would we love the world if the Father loves His Son? And the world hates Him, and the world rejected Him, and the world had Him nailed to the cross. It says in John chapter 1, He was in the world, the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. Why would we love the world? So what does God love? God loves Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Or do you love yourself? Or do you love the world? Or do you put someone else before the Lord and perhaps someone in a relationship you're in? Whatever it is, who are you putting first? It might be your soccer game. It might be your rugby game. It might be your fishing. Who are you putting first? Who do you really love? Good question, eh? Good question. Second question. What has God chosen? So what does God love? Number one, what has God chosen? Now the answer to that is, we've already had, is Christ, isn't it? He is the anointed of God. He, he is the one who God sent he is the one who has done everything to his Father's satisfaction. Why did God choose Christ? If we read the psalmist David in Psalm 45, we find out 
some of the things he says about the Lord Jesus there. He says in verse 1, he says, You are fairer than the children or the sons of men. You are fairer than the sons of men. He's delighting in the Lord Jesus. That's one thing. Why, 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 is, why has God chosen Christ? Number two, he says, grace is poured into your lips. Do you know in the New Testament we read when Jesus was here on earth that the people marveled at all the gracious things that proceeded from the mouth of the Lord. And we believe that we're a grace church here. That when someone fails or even does us wrong, we will show them grace. We will actually forgive. We will actually say, don't worry about it. It's all right. We're not going to hold a grudge. Because we've, we've come to know the one who has forgiven us. When we didn't deserve it. Why were we yet sinners? We had that this morning. Christ died for us. His love has been displayed in such an amazing way there at the cross. And it's just been wonderful to do communion. And Sophia did so well this morning. And uh, just warms our hearts. I love communion. I love communing with the Lord. He is our portion. We feed upon His worth, His value. So it says, grace is poured into your lips because of this. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Oh, I want, I want the one who is blessed forever to be my portion. And then in verse 7, he says, the third thing he says, he says, you love righteousness and hate wickedness. Wow. If the one that draws on my heartstrings and the one I love loves righteousness and he hates wickedness, how would that affect my lifestyle? When a dirty joke is told. When I know that my Lord loves righteousness and hates wickedness, will I be laughing at a dirty joke if I love my Lord? When I know it's something he hates. When I go to the movies, will I be watching something that he hates when he loves righteousness? Sex scenes, drug use. All the stuff, because Jesus is with me. He dwells with me. I've received him as my portion, as my Lord and Savior. How is that going to affect me? These things have an outworking. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. This is what God is really saying about his son, or the psalmist David is saying about the Lord, revealed to him by the Spirit. And then it goes on to say, because of this, or therefore, God has anointed you with the oil of gladness, Above your fellows. What a pathway of blessing this is when we learn to love righteousness and hate wickedness. When we walk uprightly with the Lord. When we look to Him day by day. When we're led by the Spirit of God. And that even affects the places we go. The things we laugh at. The things we look at. The result is the oil of joy. Above your fellows. Yeah, we go along to get entertained with these other things, but no, there's a better pathway if we follow the one who loves righteousness and hates wickedness. What has God, cho what has God chosen? He's chosen Christ for this very reason. That what God loves. This is what he loves, and this is what he's chosen. Hebrews 1 verse 8 and 9 says, But to the Son, he says, God says, God is speaking to his son. Jehovah is speaking to the son. And he says to the son, your throne, O God. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness. That's how he rules with a scepter. 
A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. Wow. We love to get excited here and talk about the King of kings and Lord of lords. But a scepter of righteousness is a scepter of his kingdom. He loves righteousness and he hates wickedness. And we carry this man with us every day. Every moment of every day because we've received him as Lord and Savior. He's the head of our lives and not this thing here. Glory be. He, Hebrew, um, Isaiah 42 says, and verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. He's given it to Christ. It's not Christ and you. I know you might think you're fairly important. And I know you, that you appreciate the fact that God loves you. But what does he really love about you? Yes, he has chosen you. He's chosen us in Christ from before the foundation of the world. And that's the four, first point. Th uh, th sorry, third point. Did I say fourth point? Third point. Who do you choose? Yourself or this one? The servant, the perfect servant of Jehovah. You know, when, when Jesus said to um, his disciples in Matthew 16, he says, uh, who do you say that I am? Because they said, some say this, some say that. He says, but who do you say that I am? And, he, and Peter pipes up and he says, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You are the Messiah, basically. You are the son of the living God. And, and, and he says, well, blessed are you, Peter. You're the, you're the son of Jonah. He said, blessed are you, Peter, bar Jonah. Bar means son of Jonah, bar Jonah. Because he said of Jesus, you are the son of the living God. And he says, well, you're the son of Jonah, but blessed are you because flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Each one of us need to come to this revelation that he is the Christ. He is the anointed one of God. He is the one that God wants us to behold. He is the one that God wants us to be taken up with, not ourselves. I'm the son of Eddie. But Jesus is the son of God. He is the son of the living God. And so Jesus, it was so important, a revelation, that Jesus said to Peter, and he says, and upon this rock I will build my church. That is the revelation not Peter he's going to build the church on. He'll use Peter as a little stone because that word you are Cephas or Peter, he is a small part or piece of a rock if you look it up in the Greek. But no, a large rock is a revelation that you are the Christ. You are the anointed, the chosen of God. The church isn't built just on Peter. The apostles and the prophets are the foundation, maybe, plural, together. But the other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ our Lord. He is the large rock. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I just want to offer up to you, and I think God is offering to you this morning, saying, I want you to behold my servant. I want you to behold my faithful one. I want you to trust in him. Don't trust in yourself. Don't just pull them out of the bag or the cupboard or the shelf, take them off the shelf when things aren't going well at work or at school or when things 
you aren't going well in your relationship, don't just, just don't be a user of Jesus. Let him be your head. Let him be your portion. Let him be all things to you. The old song that we used to love to sing with, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, and when you choose him, when you receive him into your heart, you receive the new birth. You're born of his spirit. You're born of the word. He is the word. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. When you receive Jesus Christ into your heart, you receive salvation from the penalty, the power, and even the presence of sin. When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart and life, you receive eternal life. It's the quality of life that flowed through His veins. That's why we sing that song up here. Uh, one line is, your blood flows through my veins. I now have Eternal life. I don't only just have Paul's miserable, self-centered existence, but your blood flows through my veins. And we glory in the Lord. Glory in Him. When you receive Jesus Christ into your heart, you receive reconciliation to God. You're one with God again. You don't feel the distance anymore. He's not a long way off because Jesus is, is your Lord. And He's Lord of all in your life. When you receive Jesus Christ into your heart, you receive justification. That's a big word. It's a good word. It means you're made just as though you'd never sinned. Because the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Praise His glorious name. Glory to God. When you receive Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, you receive redemption. We're redeemed through His precious shed blood. Brought back to God. Redemption, redeemed, brought back to God. And you receive forgiveness. Wow, isn't it so freeing to be forgiven? It's wonderful. Free. He that the Son sets free is free indeed. Come on. Oh, great. Great to be free. You feel, do you know when you're free, you know what you feel like? Free. That's it. You feel free. It's not all, wonder what that person's thinking about me, wonder what, you know, you're free from all that rubbish. When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, you receive 100% acceptability to God. His favor is upon His Son, so if you have Him, God is delighting in you, and as you grow up in Him, God's, wow, what a wonderful expression of my Son. Oh, and then tomorrow, Wow. They're growing up. Wow. You know, when we have a little baby, they start off very small. But they have all the fingers, all the hands. They've got a tongue in their mouth. They don't have their teeth. I'll give you that. But they're on their way. So, but they grow up. They grow up. And, and, and God just loves to watch his children grow, to come to full maturity in Christ, growing up in Christ. But he didn't choose us outside of Christ and then say, oh, Here's this person I love. I just want to add Jesus to them or whenever they need him, they can, they can have him. No, no, he wants Christ to be the center. He chose us in Christ. Not out of Christ to be put into Christ, but in Christ to grow up in Christ under full maturity to display all the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So when you receive Jesus Christ into your heart, you receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 
Wow, that's wonderful, isn't it? The Holy Spirit communing with our spirit, taking of the things of Christ, magnifying our Lord to us. He doesn't speak of Himself, but He speaks of the Lord. He magnifies the Lord. And that's the effect He has on our lives. We do not preach ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Christ's sake. Many preachers preach themselves. They say, you need to do this, and we should be doing that. And the only reason why they're giving us the shoulds and shouldn'ts is because we're not doing it. And they're preaching to a dead man. But all they need to do is present our glorious Lord. And that's what God's saying. What does He love? Jesus. Behold my servant. I uphold him. He will not fail. Don't you try to be like him. Just receive him. Just receive him. When you receive Christ into your heart, you receive a new divine nature. Wow, it's divine. Divine nature. You have Jesus, the tree of life, in you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You have his nature. You're one with him, one with the Father. Glory be. That excites me. I think that's wonderful. I'm thrilled with Jesus. I hope you're not sitting there feeling threatened by him today. I'm just wondering if one or two are. But I don't know. I'll leave that with the Lord. So when you receive Christ into your hearts, you receive peace with God. Wow. That's enjoyable. Knowing that your Father loves you, He has divine favor upon you. He's absolutely lavishes His love on you because you've got Christ there and that's who He loves. He's your portion. You're abiding in Him. When you receive Christ into your heart, you receive exceeding great and precious promises in the Word of God. You receive all things that pertain to life and godliness. You wouldn't want to actually put them on the shelf and just take them out when you need them, would you? Just call upon them now and there. He, he actually, he is, God chose us in Christ. That's why God so loved the world. We look out, on the, if you look at the news, you look at the world and you go, how could God love a terrible, sinful world, child prostitution, uh, ISIS, all, these, all these things like this, divorce rate, people getting hurt, you know, like there's just like immorality, Sodom and Gomorrah, what, God so loved the, no, no, God looks through different eyes. When He looks at the world, He loves a world that He sees headed up in Christ. He was the lamb slain from the, before the foundation of the world. Gee, God knew that he could trust in this one, that he would never fail. And God looks through, through that. When he sees a world, he sees a world headed up, a kingdom headed up with the King of kings and Lord of lords. He loves it. He totally loves that world. And the kingdom of God is within us. There's lots of rulers in the world we see out there. That's only physical. There's many frequencies that God lives on, you could say. He is a spirit, for starters. So we don't usually hear him audibly, although some do. And there's times when he'll send an angel and they appear visibly, and that's fine. But he is a spirit, and we hear him communing with our spirit. Then to sum it all up, Revelation, at the end of the, the story, it says, verse 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 14, it says there, those who are with him, boy, 
I'm, I'm with him now, and I'm going to be with him in a greater sense in a coming day. And he's, never, he's with me, and he's never going to leave me. But these ones that are with him, he says they're called. And I, love, I, I just rejoice that I ever heard his voice calling me. He says they're chosen. Wow. Chosen by God because of what dwells within. God saw Christ in me, what He purposed for me. He didn't purpose for me to be the center and the source of my life. He purposed the Creator, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who sustains all things, who means so much to the Father. He purposed that He would be, He would be living in me. That's who He loves. So they that are with Him are called, chosen, get this, faithful. He shall not fail. Faithful. Don't try and be like Him. Just look to Him. The danger is when we try to be like Him, we find that we're unfaithful. We find that we fail. Then we start preaching our failure on others. Don't try and be like Him. Just receive Him. Look to Him. That's all God's saying. He says, this is what God loves, by the way. He just says, look at this. Behold Him. He's my servant. He won't fail. He's the one you want. He's the one you need. Why would you ever look to yourself? Yeah? So let's just bow our heads this morning. Perhaps there's some here this morning that need to receive the Lord Jesus Christ this morning as Lord of their lives. Perhaps He has been on the shelf for a long time and you just use Him. But now God is saying, no, you need to receive Him as your Lord and as your Saviour and as your life and as your portion, and as your present possession right now, so that you might have eternal life flowing through your veins right now. So you, if I'm speaking, and if the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to someone here, and I believe that He is speaking to us all, but if He's speaking to you this morning, and you know that you need to receive Jesus as Lord of your life, I want to I lead you in just a little prayer, and we can all pray together. But before I do that, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you to put up your hand. If you are hearing the voice of God speaking into your heart and life right now this morning, I want you to put up your hands if you're saying, Lord, I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. Just put your hand out. Make a bold step. Say, yes, Lord. You'll notice that when we sing and worship, we raise our hands because we look to Him. But just put up your hand. Put up your hand because I want to pray with you. I want to stand with you as you receive Jesus as Lord of your life so that He would be your present portion now. If that's you, put up your hand. Anyone here? I'll give you a few more moments. Just raise your hand. We'll pray together. I won't call you out the front. But God is speaking. And He's saying to you, Behold my servant. You need Him. You need Him as your present portion and possession. Is there anyone here? One last moment. If God's speaking to you, raise your hand. If He's speaking to you and just, and you know you need to receive Jesus, that's all right. Praise God. We've got a very saved congregation here this morning. That's good. Hallelujah. But I just hope that this message has been speaking to your heart, that you're hearing the voice of God as He promotes and lifts up His servant, His faithful one, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that's what God loves. What does God love? What has He chosen? And what are you going to choose? What are you going to choose today? Is it Christ or is it me? Very good. We're going to sing, stand together and sing now. Love has a name.